Let's stand together as we read God's word. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you this morning for the appearing of the Holy One. And we know, Lord, the traditions and the teachings of this time and the season of Christmas and how you came to be. And I just pray, Lord, today that as we, as we um, are busy buying gifts and getting stockings filled and getting the meals prepared and the food ready for them, I just pray, Lord, that we would just take a few minutes to seize the opportunity to dwell on the fact that you are here. And the gifts that we have, just a few of them, three in particular today, that we, that we have and we see and we experience because you have come to be among us. And I just pray, Lord, that as we journey through our life together and as a church, as a church body, as a family, as individuals, as your disciples, that you would just continue, Lord, to reach out and to minister to the needs of our hearts and minister, Lord, to the place where we're at right now. Whatever it is that we're feeling or not feeling, whatever it is that we wish we could know or wish we didn't know, whatever it is, Lord, that we're going through or wish that we didn't have to go through, whatever it is that's going on in our life, we just pray, Lord, that you would be with us and that we would hear your voice during this time where we think and celebrate the fact that you came to earth, that you're still here, and you're still speaking to us and moving in our hearts. You're still changing us, transforming us from the outside in. And we thank you, Lord, that you never leave us or forsake us, and that you are here with us today. And we'll praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, Merry Early Christmas to all of you. I just, I, just, I just need to say it this morning, I've kind of said it in my own way, how much I love you all, how much I'm so grateful to be pastor of Vancouver First Friends Church. I'm so grateful for the gifts that we give each other. I'm grateful for the hugs that we share. I'm grateful for the stories we tell. I'm grateful for the laughter we share. John, I'm grateful for our little secret that you and I both know and no one else knows this morning. Uh, don't ask, because I won't tell you. Um, it's not a big deal, don't worry. Um, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for what God is doing in our church. I'm grateful for what God is doing in my heart. I'm grateful for what I know he's trying to do in yours. And I'm just excited to be a part of First Friends today. I'm excited to be a part of this time of year where we celebrate the coming of the Lord Jesus. But I just got to ask you this morning, have you got all your shopping done yet? Some of you are like, yeah, check that. Some of you look scared to death. <laughs> like, you, you know, I don't know, maybe you just plan on getting coal like you did last year because it's cheap, predictable, efficient, and you just, you know, it's, you don't have to worry about it. In our house, Amazon does all the shopping for us. 99%, I think, of the, the family shopping Rebecca does online, and um, we get all kinds of crazy-looking Santas come to the door when, when the gifts are delivered, and I'm um, just grateful for this time of year. I was reading this week about the meaning of Christmas and how oftentimes we think of it as a time of giving, that Jesus has come to give himself to us, that we come together to share and fellowship and we give of our time to each other. 
we come to the Christmas season, to the Christmas tree, to the Advent candles, or to whatever setting we come, and we come to give to those around us. It is a time of year where we are called as a church and as believers, as disciples of God, to give. But at the end of the phrase of talking about that, the fact of the matter is that on that holy, silent night long ago, God came to give to us. And when God comes to give to all mankind, John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, that all who would believe on his name, everlasting life, the plan for God was for everyone to receive the gift that he'd come to give. And so I want us to kind of look through the lens of being receptors of God's grace today, that we are We are highly privileged to be called, as we give our hearts to him, the children of God. And we are called to be receptors, to be recipients of the love that God has come to shine down upon us. And there are three ways that God um, reveals his love or reveals his grace to us in this passage. And and we are just going to talk about about one gift um, this morning kind of displayed in three different ways. So the gift that I just wanted to share this morning, and it kind of covers everything, is the gift of God's grace. You try to narrow down God's grace to one place or to one area, and you can't do it uh, unless you're really, really smart. God's grace is, is, is the fullness of his revelation, the fullness of who he, who he came to be, the fullness of who he is right now is that he comes to you. He comes to Emmanuel with you, and he comes to Emmanuel with me so that his grace can be applied to whatever's going on inside of me. And whatever is going on inside of you. And so as we think of Jesus coming to offer himself, to gift himself in that way, there are three types of grace that we want to look at this morning together. And the first one is probably already on the screen is revealing grace. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says, The grace of God has appeared to all mankind. And that grace is Jesus. That grace was that little child wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. That grace first revealed to us was a couple desperate for a place to live, a place to stay anywhere where they could lay their head at night in order to bring into the world the child who would be the Son of God. You know, I read something this week that was I'd never thought of before, but Joseph remembers coming back to his hometown, and the fact that in his own hometown, none of his family had a place for him shows me that, that even in that day, in that family, there must have been some strife going on. There must have been some tough things going on, and yet God was still able to do what God wanted to do, even in the middle of all of those things. Well, grace, you and I know, probably heard it described as the unmerited favor of God, it is the goodness of God given to those who aren't even worthy to have been offered it in the first place. And the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Jesus came and ultimately died in order that he might reveal himself and his love to you and I. And we are to be recipients of that grace and of that love. And you've heard it probably preached before that as we come and think about the night where Mary and Joseph were desperately looking for a place to stay, desperately looking for someone to reach out to them and fill the void and the need that they had as this incredible responsibility was hanging over them. The Bible simply says that no one had a place in their day, on their property, as a part of their atmosphere, as a part of what they do and the way they live, no one was able to receive this incredible gift that was to be given in any way, time, shape, or manner. And the struggle for you and I is 
busy believers is that sometimes when Jesus comes to reveal himself to us, we don't have time, space, room, and the atmosphere of the life that we're currently living in in order to take him in. I I just want to look at it this way this morning. I think most of us in this room have been followers of Christ for a long time. So sometimes Jesus comes to us and he reveals something that he wants to change in us. Has God ever used a fellow believer to do that in your life? Most of you have, and you're both still alive, right? Okay, so the next question is you're both still friends, right? You still talk to each other, you still get along, you still hug each other. Uh, You don't sit on opposite sides of the church because it still hasn't been resolved. You're still brothers, you're still sisters. God places his spirit inside of us and uses his revelatory grace in the form of other people in order to show us that he still wants to change and transform us and move us from where we are now into the future where he wants us to be. And I'm so grateful for First Friends Church that we are called to do that for each other. You've done that for me, I've done that for you, and God has continued to reveal himself through us, through the family, through the community, as we join hands together, as we serve together, worship together, as we live life together. It is my prayer and belief that as we, as we throw ourselves into the life and the heart of the church, that God will continue to reveal his presence in each of our lives. And that may mean that you come up to me one day and say, hey, pastor, why are you doing that? It also might mean that your pastor comes up to you one day and says, hey, brother, sister, why are you doing that? And God might reveal his presence to you and I in the lives of those that we love. It might be that we come alongside of each other and say, I'm so excited that you're doing that. I am so thrilled that you're involved in this ministry and that you're placing yourself in a place where you could be hurt or where things could go wrong or you could make mistakes. But the fact that you've thrown yourself into the work of the church is a blessing to me, and I just want to encourage you to give it all that you have. And we need to do that for each other, amen? Because it is so easy for us sometimes to look at what someone else is doing. Now, we're not having any part of it, but what someone else is doing and go, I wouldn't do it that way. Why would they do it that way? How come they're doing it that way? Well, they need to quit. And the fact of the matter is they're doing it and not you. And we need to come alongside and be revealers of God's grace to make time and space in our atmosphere, to make time and space in our home for each other, to make time and space in our day, in our week, in our months, to continue to grow closer as a church together because Jesus came onto this earth to grow close to us. That whole idea of God being with us means that he continues to want to get closer and closer and closer to you and I. And he by revealing himself to us and does that a lot through the word. He does it through prayer, he does it through worship, and he does it through you and I. And he calls us into a life of opportunity to continue to hear his revelation, continue to hear his voice and his spirit speaking and moving in his life and in yours. And I just want to simply ask you this morning, just ask a really honest question. Are you open to whatever the Holy Spirit might say to you? Think about it for a minute first. Think about it for a minute first. Think about that one place that rubs you raw. Think about that one place where you said, Lord, not now. Think about that one person who you may not be on the opposite side of the church from them, but you're, you're trying to stay far enough away that, you know, you just don't have to talk a whole lot. What about that person? 
What about that practice in your life that the Lord wants to speak and reveal himself to you about? And see, when it comes down to that kind of stuff, to that person, to that place, to that behavior, then we have to realize that maybe it's a little bit harder to be so critical of the people in Bethlehem (laughs) when we're a lot like them in the way that we live our life and sometimes even in the church, the way we live life with each other. And Jesus came as a young, innocent, helpless child. To remind us that that's how we all need to remind ourselves we are before God. And that he's come to reveal his grace in and through us as we will live life together. Can we just agree together, continue to be to the revealing grace of God in our life? Lord, whatever it is this morning that I need to hear from you, would you let me hear it from you? I want to be in your word, commit to your word, memorize your word, be in the word, be of the word, and the word be in me. Can we commit to pray together? And some of what I've learned as becoming a part of the Friends Movement is is more of my prayer life is becoming about me saying nothing and listening to God than, than I would have ever imagined. Because so much of the time I wanted to come and convince God that what I was praying about was so important, he needed to do it right now. And much of what was wanting me is, you know what? It may be a long time till I change that, but what about in here? And I listen, and he changes me. He reveals himself and his grace through those times where I'm listening to the revealing voice and message of God that just came to bring peace and hope and joy and a life lived without fear and a purpose. Remember the shepherds, after this, they went everywhere amazed at what God had told them. They were filled with wonder at the message of Jesus coming as a child, die someday, and change the world forever. He continues to reveal his encouraging spirit to you and I, and we just be reminded this morning of the opportunity that we have to hear God reveal himself to us as we live our daily life. Another way that we experience the gift of grace in our life is saving grace. And I kind of already said we've, we've hit that on the head, many of us already. But Titus chapter 2, verse 11, the second part of that first verse, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all. Now, we could stop right here and have a theological argument about the implications of what this statement could mean based on your different theological background. But the fact of the matter is, whatever your longing is or bent on that is, Jesus came to die for each and every one of us so that we all know the grace of salvation. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, the wages of sin is death. And later on it says, it's appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment. But then in Hebrews, the writer says, Jesus came to save us from God's righteous judgment upon our unrighteous ways. For the Christ has come to reconcile the world unto himself. Jesus came to save us from the judgment that God was going to bring our way. And he is really the great reconciler. There's a story that Stephen Brown told years ago about a couple that illustrates the fact that God wants to come and seek and save the lost. According to her, the couple was very young married. She was nine, he was 20. And six years and three kids later, the bloom was off the marital rose. The wife decided she couldn't take any more dirty dishes or dirty diapers. So one day, she just simply got up and walked out of the house. Every now and then she'd call back to check on the children, but refused to come home or even talk with her husband, no matter how hard he begged. After many days of separation, the husband got desperate, and he hired a private detective to find his wife where she was. 
Through hard work and careful investigation, the detective finally traced her to a really beat-up motel in Des Moines. Hearing where she was living, he packed a bag, put his children in care with a neighbor. If it was us, it'd be Sharon or Cheryl, taking charge of the kids, and he took a bus to Des Moines. He was going to find his wife. You can imagine how he knocked on her door, and she opened it. Came to face to face with the wife he had lost but loved so much. For a brief moment, he looked at her, the author says, and she looked at him, and then she fell apart in his arms. And this time, when he asked her to come home, she agreed. As they rode home together, he said, Why wouldn't you tell me where you were when you called to check on the children? You knew I loved you. Why wouldn't you come home to? Through her tears, I before you came, love was just words. But now I know how much you love me because you came to get me. Under the centuries of the Testament, God had revealed himself and made every effort he could speak to the Israelite people about his love, show the world that he was the true and only God. But it was when Jesus came to show by action that he's come to bring us home, that we fully know the full extent of how much God could love us because he came to get us, came to get us right where we are. We're a lot like that woman sometimes. We are back on God, and no matter how hard he tries, no how many times he calls us up on the phone, no matter how many times he refers to our spirits, no how many times the Holy Spirit speaks to us about this place in our life, we just say, I'm here, but I'm good, and we hang up the phone. But Jesus is a reminder to us that God has come to rescue us. God has come to redeem us. God has come to meet us right where we are. Titus chapter 2, verse 14 said, He gave himself for us on the cross that he may redeem us and purify for himself a people of his own. A people of his own. God sent Jesus to bring back to himself and make own his very special people. I heard this a week, I think it was Pastor Rick Warren, I was listening to one of his Christmas messages, and he said that, that Jesus is God wrapped in human form. God sent the gift of the Son. He wrapped in Jesus. He wrapped in the fullness of who Jesus was. He wrapped in the fullness of who Jesus was become. And only when he hung on the cross was all the wrapping paper finally torn off for us to reveal, to be revealed to us the fullness of the gift that God had prepared and sent our way. And what, a, what an incredible miracle that gift is. The story years ago of a little girl whose parents had died, and she lived with her grandmother in a small apartment room on the second floor, and one night a house broke out. And the grandmother died trying to rescue the girl from the fire. The fire spread through the house very quickly, and the first floor was soon engulfed in flames, and the neighbors tried desperately to get in, but no one could find a way. They were blocked by the flames, and they could hear the cries of this little girl in the upper room, but had no idea how to get to her. But before the firemen could arrive, a man suddenly appeared with a tall ladder and decided that he would try to get to the upper window. He climbed the ladder, broke through a window, and disappeared into the house that was now engulfed in flames, and they didn't know if either of them would ever make it out. The crowd waited anxiously for moments before he finally appeared at the window with a little girl in his arms. He brought her down, and as he came off the ladder, the ambulances arrived and took her quickly to the hospital. And the little girl survived, and this kind man disappeared into the night. Months later, now remember, she has no family. 
She goes before the court who, whose judge has the responsibility of finding her a family to live in. She has no living relatives, and so the court had to appoint a proper home. The judge interviewed prospective guardians who were keen to take her in. The first lady was a school teacher and said, I can give her a good education, and she will learn a lot from me and have a good future. And the judge says, I have no doubt that she would. Next, a wealthy lady appeared and said, I can give this child everything that she needs or whatever wants. I can give her the finest clothes, the finest education, to the best school. She can travel the world with me. She'll have whatever her heart desires. And down through the list of people interested in giving this girl care, the judge went. Finally, he got to the end of everyone who had applied for being able to be heard by the court, and he said as a last-ditch thing, kind of like at a wedding and Anyone have any problems with this? He said, anyone else have anything to say before I make my decision? And then from the back of the courtroom came a man walking very slowly with a light limp. From his old clothes, it was obvious that he wasn't rich or well-educated. And when he got to the front of the room, he stood directly in front of the little girl and held out his arms. And you could see the terrible burns and scars on his arms. Instantly, the girl recognized him and ran into his arms. And the judge said, I think I've just had my decision made for me. And the court was adjourned. And the fact of the matter, friends, for you and I, that that's what Jesus came to do when he came in that manger one day long ago. As he came to offer himself as the one who had put himself on the line for us. He came to offer his life so that we could know saving grace. He came to offer himself so that we could hear the Christmas story because it's only by the revealing grace of God that he came by those angels on that night long ago and said to those shepherds, don't be I have amazing news that will change the world forever because my son has come to change everything. It is because Jesus came to rescue us, to give us a home, to provide mercy and forgiveness in our life, that we have a Christmas at all. I was reading this week about a question a pastor asked, what would Christmas be like without Jesus? And I just, my answer was, it just wouldn't, it would just be another day. It would be another day. It would be a winter with no joy. It would be a winter with no hope. It would be a winter with no peace. It would be a scary time to live in. But because Jesus came and revealed himself to us, because Jesus came to save us, because third and lastly, he came to give us an eternal hope. There is an eternal grace promised in the, in the heart of God that is perhaps, along with the gift of salvation, one of the most staggering things to try to ponder in the human life. The fact that God would come to give us the gift of life everlasting. Can you believe that? Can you imagine that this morning? Look at the book of Revelation when you have time and try, just try to picture what it would be like to live in a place like God has prepared for us. Jesus says, don't worry, I'm going now and I've been at it for a couple thousand years now. I think it's gonna be good. I think it's gonna blow your heart, it's gonna blow your mind and someday he's gonna come and usher us all into that eternal grace where we will live forever with him. And there's a lot of people buying some amazing gifts this time of year. There's a lot of people breaking the bank and filling up their credit cards and doing all the things they need to do. But there's no greater gift. There's no greater message. There's no greater present out there than the person of Jesus Christ revealed, saving, and eternal, living and reigning in your heart and in mine. And we worship him this morning because he came as a child. 
lived as a man and died of his own of his own choice by God's direction. He gave himself willingly so that we could know the hope and the peace and the joy that passes understanding. You know, out there on the sign, the gist of what I wanted to say was God has come to offer us this amazing gift, the perfect gift. I mean, you know, you if you're buying gifts this week still, you're one of the ones who procrastinated and still trying to perfect gift for that person in your life. And I know how hard that can be sometimes. It wasn't that hard for God to choose the perfect gift. He looked around the triune circle and said, the son has to die so that my friends can live forever. And that's why we sing the songs that we sing. That's why we're called to be a people who give and and relate and love is the fact that God came to give and relate and to love. And he continues to do that by, by and in and through his grace in your heart and in mine. And we have that warmth of fellowship. We have that certainty of knowing him because he is still alive. He is still working. His spirit is still moving in our lives and in our hearts and in the lives of, the lowest, in the lives of those that we love. A number of years ago, and I'll close with this, we, my, I think my favorite part of Christmas growing up was going to my dad's mother's house. Grandma Mary's still alive. She's 88. We got to see her just a couple weeks ago, and, and she's still kicking and laughing and, and as goofy as she's ever been. But we would go to Grandma's house, and she had the most interesting decorations on the tree. Um, she had more presents by the time we'd get there on Christmas Eve night than, than a kid had ever seen his entire life. Um, and it was, it was, will always be a fond memory and, and spending that time together. I can remember one night, um, there was, um, you know, everyone, usually the, the grandkids had six gifts, six or seven, uh, small or large, and her and grandpa would make sure everyone had the same amount because what we would do is we would, we would, we would fan out all the kids and we would deliver the presents to each person. Jonathan, my, the second, the oldest cousin next to me would have his over here and his pile would grow so everyone could see how many. And so, you know, just to make sure that grandma didn't mess up because she was going to hear about it. If she, no, it wasn't that bad, but, but we were all watching and we knew how much she loved us and we all knew that we were equally loved. It was an incredible blessing to know and to think even about that now. She played no favorites, just like God plays no favorites. gives lavishly to each and every one of us. I can remember one of the gifts one year that she gave um, was a bigger box, and that was always exciting because, you know, bigger the better, right? But I opened up the box, and inside was another box that was wrapped. And I was pretty young then. I didn't realize what was happening. You all know that then I opened another box, and there's another box inside of there. And, I, you know, and, and, and after a while, it was like, you know, all the other kids opened all their presents, you know. They, had, they were playing with their toys, and they were doing, having fun, and I'm still, I'm still battling this beast that I'm trying to get to the bottom of and, and getting frustrated. I was upset, you know. Is this just a prank, or is there really something in here? And I got to the, finally got to the little bitty box, you know, and, and so by this time, the box that had been like this is now like that. I'm like, oh, no. You know, all of that worked for this. And then it said, go to the bathroom. Well, at the same time, I didn't realize about my youngest, or the next oldest um, cousin, Jonathan, who's nine months younger than me, had a different box that was smaller. He was doing the same thing, and he also had a ticket that said, go to the bathroom. 
And we looked at each other, and, and they're like, you first, you first. <laughs> um, and I'm so glad that we continued to persevere because we came around the corner, and they opened up the door, and we each had a puppy come charging into our arms. And Jonathan got a, a Border Collie Malamute mix, and I got a purebed retriever. And I'm so glad they continued to unwrap the things that were provided, the gifts that had been given to me, because if I would have, if I would have stopped short, I would have missed that moment. I would have missed the moments to follow. I would have missed the memories that God was able to make because I persevered through that time. And, and sometimes our Christian life is like that box. We just want to tear it open and have everything right there, boom, and enjoy it. And sometimes it is, it is months. Sometimes it is years of carefully, patiently unwrapping and waiting and listening and, and trusting God until he finally gets us down to the end and then that puppy comes running into our arms until God reveals himself in a special way. But the calling, the opportunity is for each and every one of us is to live in a moment where God reveals himself to us. To listen carefully for his voice. To receive his salvation to know that he's come to rescue us from our past, from our failures, from our sins, from that part of us that we don't want to be anymore. He has come to rescue us. And then he's called us to a life everlasting. And that's a whole other sermon. I'm sorry, you don't want another sermon now, and I'm not going to give you one. The fact of the matter is that, that it's there. The opportunity for us to have everlasting life is just as available for us as the inside of that big, strange, goofy, frustrating box. It's hard to understand. It's hard to rationalize sometimes, but the fact of the matter is when, when we see his word and God reveals himself to us as only he can, we see those words, I've gone to prepare a place for you. Streets of gold, no more tears, no more dying, no more sin, life eternal. And hope springs anew in our life because Jesus has revealed himself to us. Aren't you glad for that this morning? I'm so thankful that he loves us, that he is special to us, that we have so much to celebrate and thank him for. And I'm so grateful this morning for his love. And all God's people said, amen. All right. Karen, I know. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat the crow because I'm the pastor and that's what I get to do. I had a misunderstanding about who was getting flowers and who wasn't. And, and this is bad. I can say this because my wife isn't in the room. But I assumed that, that when flowers were purchased, they wouldn't be purchased for her. How horrible is that as a husband that I did? So I, anyway, so Karen was the one who was left out without flowers and she's she is um, the CE director, co-director. I guess you're no co anymore, Jody. So she was the one officially responsible for um, organizing that, and 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 the um, and Carrie and Jan were equally involved. But I um, I felt poorly that we had uh, overlooked Karen and all that she has done and given to the kids. And so someone has purchased these uh, as a gift to you, and thank you for all that you have done. And so there, I just demonstrated what I preached about. I was willing to say I messed up, and I'm sorry, and I, I love each of you. I hope you know that with all that I can and all that I am. But even more importantly than that, Jesus loves you with all that he is and could ever be. And he wants you to know that. 
in the depths of who you are. And when we know that, everything changes forever. Aren't you glad? Let's stand and we'll close in a word of prayer. Lord, I am so thankful to be in a family today. I'm so thankful to love and to cry and to laugh and to hurt and to wonder and to serve and to suffer and to celebrate and, and have the opportunity to experience you in the middle of these amazing people. What a gift that you've given to us. And Lord, I just want to imagine for a moment what it must have been like for the shepherds that night. Probably 15-year-old kids, some scholars say 16-year-old teenagers, doing the worst job they could have been given. And something happened to them that night that changed the course of history. You revealed yourself to them. And I'm thankful, Lord, this morning in this place, in your own way, you reveal yourself to us. And Lord, I'm not sure what else to say, but that we worship you. We're in awe of your love and your plan and the path that you chose to take so that we could know in our heart what so many so find it hard to understand, but we, we know it's true because we have you inside of us. And we worship you this morning, Lord, as one who gave everything so that we could have it all. We could have it all. And we praise you for that in your holy, wonderful name. Amen. May you all have a merry, blessed Christmas in every way.